0: Let's go to the book of Luke tonight. I want you to go with me to the book of Luke chapter 8 and we're going to look at verse 22 and a couple of verses to follow. I really believe I have some instruction of the Lord tonight. I'm not interested I'd say this to you. I am not interested at all in sermonizing you. But I'd really pursue God's voice to say, God, what do you want us to do? What what is your word for the people at at the time? Sunday morning, Pastor Val's going to be here leading the service and ministering. And I know he's the same way. We're just not interested in preaching sermons. I believe God wants to do something great. So follow with me. Now, it happened on a certain day that he got in a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake. And they, were, and, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging water. And they ceased, and there was a calm. But he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and marveled, saying to one another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you now that you would give us you would give us clarity of speech that you would, God, that you would guide every word that you would open our eyes to see and our ears to hear what you are saying to us tonight. God, minister to every person in this room that they move to a greater place in Jesus' name. Amen. One, of the, one translation asked the question when they said, when they asked, who can this be? when they saw that even the wind and waves obeyed Him, one of the translations says it like this, What manner of man is this? That even the wind and waves obey Him. My question and my title for us tonight isn't, what manner of man Jesus is, but what manner of man are you and I? That's the question I want to deposit into us and I want to challenge us to think about tonight. First of all, Jesus has really, this story is found in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke, and basically it gives the same scenario and the same story. And Jesus has just called these disciples. In Matthew's gospel, he just called them. He took them to the top of of a mountain and he spoke to them there. And he taught them. And then he says, you know, he said, follow me. And now they're on a journey with the Lord. And you have to understand the journey that they're on with God. He is training them for what is going to happen after he is ascended into the heavens. They are in a training moment. So he gets into a boat with them and he said, let's go to the other side. Now, when we're going to the other side, we're not going to function over there like we are here. I believe that's what God has been doing with us as a church and with that, really with his church at large. I believe he's saying, I've got you on a journey. We're out in the midst of, of the sea. This says a lake. One of the translations says it's the sea. But the wind and the waves, the wind starts getting contrary. And now the waves are beating upon the boat and it's filling the boat and everybody's afraid. But Jesus is asleep in the middle of the boat. But he said, we've got to get to the other side. Now I want to talk about the other side for just a moment before I go any further. Because all three gospels declare the same thing. When you get to the other side, Or when we get there, they're going to be confronted first and foremost by a demonic spirit that is ruling and dominating the people and the land. As soon as they get to the other side, this spirit speaks out and says, why have you come to torment us? And Jesus begins Jesus begins to deal with it. Matter of fact, a couple of things that are said about that that demoniac. One place it says there's one guy. Another translation or another one of the gospels says there were two there. But whatever it was, it had brought great fear upon the people of that city or of that land and region. It had brought great fear. Nobody was able to deal with this demonic spirit. Nobody was able to contain... Uh, This man, no matter how hard they tried, they were not able to break through. I believe that's what Jesus is saying. I'm going to take you into a plane now that you're going to start breaking free and you're going to start setting free the regions of things that have been held up by demonic bondage. You and I are going to walk in the authority to command it to let go and that that people can be free. I believe that with all my heart. I believe it with all my heart. We're going to know how to set regions and cities free. Why I got so excited about the meeting. Because I've been saying to you, it's time, and I'm praying this way. It's time for us to start governing our cities and regions. And I don't mean just having church. We start dictating what comes in and what goes out of it. We start declaring the victories and successes of the region. Not letting it be held up by by some demonic spirit and the church sitting within its four walls wanting another blessing. But I believe God has intended for His people to govern the land. Matter of fact, when he created Adam, put him in the garden, he gave him the assignment, you guide, guard, and govern it. It's going to be what you will determine it to be. So when Jesus went across, I believe that's the purpose of going. He's got them in training. They go to the other side. And the demon says when they showed up, why have you come to torment us? Now you and I have got to keep in mind, just because we're there to set them free, doesn't mean that that spirit is just, oh, they're coming, I'm going to run away. It's not going to happen. He's going to contend for the land as much as you are. We really need to be thinking about territories and land. Not just a building. We need to think about cities and regions and land. Everything about the Bible really is about land. And how God was moving through his church. That's another message for another day. But we need to be thinking about that way. When that demon was confronted. He said, why have you come to torment me? And Jesus asked him who he was. Not like he didn't know. And he said, we are legion for we are many. And when Jesus started giving him command to go. The demon said, don't allow us to leave this country. Don't allow me to leave this place. I want to stay here. I'll let him go, but don't let me. Don't let me leave this country. I think one translation would even say it used the word region. I don't want to leave this region. But Jesus gave it a command to go. Because once we begin to see the territorial spirits unseated, then we can gain and we can win the entire city under the Lord. Are you all with me tonight? So Jesus said, "Let's go to the other side, but remember we're in training." And so they get out into the sea into a place that looks like it's interesting to me. This was kind of wasn't my word, but it was my word that Jesus that Jesus had the authority to command the sea and the wind to stop and become. The two greatest forces upon the planet. Think about this. Is the wind and the ocean Three quarters of the planet is covered by water that we call an ocean. Three quarters of it. That's hard to imagine how much water is out there and how deep it is. And sometimes that's the way life looks to us. It is so vast in this thing. We feel so overwhelmed by everything that comes along. And then there comes a contrary wind. But wind was created for God. But after the fall, wind began to be contrary. Pastor talked about this just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Apostle, uh, what was this, the Antony, just a month or so ago, preached the same thing in this place about the wind and how God's people have to speak to the wind and tell it who it is. But sometimes the contrary winds come and it tries to move us and it tries to dictate to us A measure and bring fear to us. When in reality, Jesus was saying to them, when he laid down in the boat and went to sleep, why aren't you sleeping? Because the same authority I have, you have no matter how overwhelming it is, and no matter how contrary the wind is, you have the same authority that I have. But it got contrary to the point that water's coming into the boat. And when the water started coming into the boat, they get fearful. But Jesus is asleep. He's in a place of rest. How many times have you heard that over the last couple of weeks? She preached that last week. About us being in a place of rest. I think I spoke it maybe the week before. I think pastor has dealt with this, this place of rest. It seems to be the word that God is saying to the body. I want you to come to a place of peace and where you're resting in spite of everything that is going on. Jesus was resting in the journey. So we need to understand what the word rest can mean. Now she brought some stuff out. I'm going to just take it. I can't add. I I don't know. That woman last week, man, that was a powerful word. It was just nuts. I, I, she thinks so deep. That's crazy. It is. I mean, it's amazing. I didn't, oh, You ought to just be up here. Good night. But the word rest can mean a number of different things. First of all, it means to cease. It means to cease our work or movement. It means freedom. I like this part. Freedom from anxiety and disturbance. It means peace and rest with the completed work of Jesus. How many of you and I, how many of us believe that Jesus completed it all? Really? I mean, how many really believe that? Well, it shows up in your actions. Or let's say it like this it shows up in our actions. But Jesus completed it all, it's peace. But it also remains, rest involves something else. It involves remaining confident. And involves remaining in trust in the Lord. It also means to lean on. So here I've got this rest that I've got to come to that place that God, I am totally confident in you and what you've said and what you're doing and I'm going to lay down and I'm going to rest in this journey. Knowing that when I get to the other side, I'm going to have sufficiency. Because if I am on an assignment and I'm not resting in the journey, I promise you, you'll feel a lack when you get to the other side. You won't feel like you have what it will take to get the assignment done that is needed to be done. So when it starts happening, notice how the, notice how the disciples acknowledge Jesus. And they cried out to him and said, Master, Master, don't you care that we perish? As a Hebrew, when they called him Master, they were giving him identity in two places. One, they were calling him Teacher, Teacher. Don't you care? There was another definition that calls him, uh, I I don't know if I'm going to say this right, I think it's rabbi or rabona, something to that effect, which means, oh great one, or one that is greater than us, don't you care that we are in this place of perishing? But why could Jesus lay down in the boat and go to sleep? Even when the waters were coming in the boat, he was not disturbed by the storm. Nor was he awakened by the water in the ship. But he was awakened by those disciples. Hey, wake up! Wake up! You got us in this mess. What are we going to do? And I believe there's three things looking at the life of Jesus that are that are absolutely, for all of us, absolutely important for us to be able to rest in the journey and when we get to the other side, to be confident and walk in the authority to command the principality on the other side to let go. And it's in the life of Jesus. Three things that I think you and I are going to have to have in this moment of time. First of all, Jesus represents the Word. We are going to have to be people of the Word. I didn't say people of preaching. I said people of the Word. There's one thing for me to preach to you and you hear me and you walk away. But how much Word do you have in you? Listen to what I'm telling you. How much word do you have in you? How much of this logos are you putting in you daily? See, we do devotion, and you're reading good things, but good things don't always amount to putting in this word because this word is spirit, and it's life, and it's power, and it's victory, and it's more than what you and I can imagine. In the book of John, chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Do you realize something that you're not just reading a book, and many of us have let the devil cheat us out? Because here's a number one saying I hear from a lot of people, I just don't understand it. That's a number one thing a lot of people... I, I just don't... Under, when I read, I don't understand anything. Read that. In the beginning was the Word, the Logos, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. So when you're taking in this book, I don't care if it's John 3, 16, I don't care if it's a proverb, chapter 3, or wherever it is, you are literally taking God into yourself. You're feeding on God. Most of us have a, have a routine of every morning. I do get up the first thing that I do. And I'm preaching to me tonight. First thing I do, I get up and push the coffee pot on. Man, I can't make it without the coffee pot. And I know, I know what's his name over here. He don't just drink any coffee. He grinds his coffee. And then he don't just grind his coffee. He brews it just right. And then he can't just have a brewed cup of coffee. He's got to have a donut to go with it. He's got to have or he can't make it. Hello? Some of us are in that very, if I don't get my fix. Away, but how many of us can really say that I am in the Word of God and the Word of God is in me? Think about, listen, you want to know where faith is. I heard Bill Winston say something the other day. You know where the greatest faith is? It's not when some prophet comes, gives you a promise. Great faith is when you read the Word and said, that settles it. That's it right there. I don't need to hear it from anybody else. God said it. I got a hold of it. But most of us don't have enough word in us in order to stand when things get rough. And we wonder why we are not resting. The Bible said, are you okay? The Bible said in John 1, 14, and the word became flesh. Now wait a minute, you're talking about Jesus, right? Yeah, but you have to understand something. It became flesh. This is who Jesus was. So when we take the word in, we ought to be declaring it like this. This is who I this is who I am and this is how I live. One way, I'm sorry if you get offended at how I'm preaching to you about this tonight. But see, we become a culture that we have our own truth based upon bits of truth and we try to find the holes and we judge it by that. I'm here to tell you there is one way to live and it's through this Word of God. And the more that I get the Word in me, I don't have to let the culture change me, but I am literally standing in the face of an unrighteous culture saying I am the Word of God made flesh. But you'll not make it flesh if it's not in you. Because the more it gets in you, the more it gets in you, the more it's going to become you. The more you put an importance upon it, the more you value it. If you don't value the Word of God, Pastor, I go to church, I hear great preaching. I'm telling you, it is not the same. It is not the same as you setting down. And getting into the book itself. Listening to the scriptures. Reading the scripture. I think even speaking the scripture. Hello. What did Jesus say? He said, I'm near you even in your mouth. See, the reason Jesus could rest He knew exactly who He was. He knew what God had given Him. He knew what the Father had put upon Him and in Him. I'm sorry, but a lot of the church is weak not because God isn't moving. We just don't have enough fuel in us. We don't have enough godly flesh in us to stand up to the trouble. And when the wind gets contrary, we freak out. Don't you care? And Jesus said, Where's your faith? So what did Paul say in the book of Romans? Faith cometh by what? Hearing. And hearing cometh by the word of God. Well, pastor, I like good preaching. I do too. I do too. But I need to have a daily dose of the word. I need, I need, you know, most of us have got more dependence upon our medication than we do the word. I'm sorry. It's true. Most of us got more confidence. If I could just get a hold of Ben and Pam Ellis, they'll pray the prayer of faith. Then you do the Word. If I could just get a hold of Miss June, if I could get a hold of Miss Lisa, they'll pray that prayer of deliverance over me. I'm telling you, when you get the Word of God on the inside of you, and we're filling our life with it, them demons have got to let go of our life. Hello? Hello? I, I believe it. I believe that's part of our rest, Charlie. We've got to get the word. We've we got we to feed on it. And don't let that devil come to you and say, but I, I, I just don't understand it. Well, don't start in the book of Revelation. And don't go to the book of Leviticus. Come on. Don't go there. I, I don't know why ever knew, Let's get in the book of Revelation, let's get deep. Listen, church, we can't deep because we ain't even shallow yet. Where we really need to start, start with the book of St. John. Because it talks about how much God loves us. And read through St. John. Then get into the book of Ephesians because it tells us who we are. There was a movie came out. I, I watched it not too long ago. About a young le- about a young lady that uh, that her grandmother raised her dad her mom her her uh, anyway she was living with this this family it's one of those guys that do all these the blind side those guys wrote it and, and this they're teaching this young this young teenager about who she was and that and uh, Miss uh, Shire what's her name Priscilla Priscilla is it Shire Shrier. Uh, That's Tony, Dr. Tony Evans' daughter, right? She plays a big role in that movie. And she said, get the book of Exodus. And everywhere you see God saying something about you, mark it. And she got it in the movie and she had her little notepad and she's writing it. And as the story goes on, she she comes back. God's doing a transforming work on her heart because she's seeing through the Word of God. I am blessed. I am forgiven. I am loved. I am redeemed. And all of this is coming by the Word of God because I can tell you I love you. But man, when the Word of God becomes light and life on the inside of you, nothing can take that away from you. God told Joshua, he said, Joshua, you're going to lead this people into the promise. In Joshua 1.8, put that up for me, miss whatever your name is back there. He says something like this to Joshua in Joshua 1.8. He said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it therein day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein, that you may be prosperous and that you will have good success. Go to the next verse. And then he goes on to say, And have not I commanded thee be of good, uh, strong and of good courage? Don't be afraid, neither be dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee wherever you go. But what he said, he said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. If you were a Hebrew as a young child, if I remember right from the moment they were children able to learn, they started memorizing the Torah, memorizing it word for word. How much word can you have? Do you know on the inside of you? I'm just asking us, what manner of man are we? Are we people of the word or are we just people of our own? feeling. Hello. So let's get to the second thing real quickly. Second thing Jesus rested in, he rested in his true identity. I'm a son of God. See, if you don't know who you are, you're not going to be at rest in anything. But that word, that message has been preached, I know in this house, and just about everybody I know for the last five to ten years has been a message on identity. That we are the sons and daughters of the Most High. Just a few weeks ago, I remember, I don't know what service it was. I, I remember being, saying something. The reason we struggle is we don't know who we are. We don't know who we are. You're not just, you're not just Stacy. You're not just Tina. You're not just Sandy. You're not just, you're a son. You're a daughter if you're a born-again believer of the Most High God. When you got born again, you got transformed. You become a new creation. You're not just of the DNA of your mom and daddy. Matter of fact, you may not even know who they are. But now you're of the DNA of heaven. I'm here to declare to you that your DNA is more recorded in heaven than it is anything upon this planet. You're a son and a daughter of God. When Jesus came and started His earthly ministry, baptized of John, the first thing the Father identified, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased in Matthew 3.17. This is my beloved Son. And Jesus was the firstborn among many brethren. So that means that all of us that follow Him, See, the enemy again has brought us into this lie. I'm Hispanic. I'm black. I'm this. I'm a mix. I'm, I got news for you. I am a stranger and a foreigner to this land. I do have an American citizenship like all of you, but I, have, I really belong to the kingdom of heaven. My real citizenship is with Him. Huh? I'm an alien and that's exactly right. And I'm a son. Michael will remind me once in a while, Pastor, I'm a son of this house. And I believe that. But you and I have got to be convinced of that. And if you're a son, then you have the DNA. You have the same attributes, the same characteristics of your heavenly Father. You do what He does. You act like He acts. You carry what He carries. It's already there. Let me say that to you again. It is already there. You know why we continue to pray for the sick? Because we haven't figured out we're sons yet. Because if we figured out we were sons, we would heal the sick. Oh, come on, somebody. Jesus didn't tell us to pray for them. He said, go heal them. Go heal them. I've given you the authority just like Jesus had. I've given Even over demonic strongholds and powers, He said, I've given you the authority. Am I not right, Pastor? But we still are not convinced. We're sons. We're just good Christians. I got news for you. If that's all I'm trying to be as a good Christian, I'm going to come short of every blessing that God intended for me to be. I can make heaven and still come up short. And we've convinced everybody, you need to be a good Christian. And the reason we convinced them, because we don't know about sonship. In the last couple years, God has been declaring to us, you are my sons and my daughters. We carry on the family business. Going along with that, because if you're a son, then you and I have to understand, we've been called and we've been sent. He came from heaven to earth to show the way, as the song says. He came from heaven to earth to die so that you and I can come from earth to heaven. He was one called and one sent. I want everybody in this place to know you are called and sent by God everywhere you go, every day. It doesn't matter if you have a card that says, I'm ordained or I am with the affiliation of whatever. If you are born again, if you, I, even if you weren't born again, you just don't know it yet. You're still called and sent. And you're playing into the hands of the enemy. But the moment you get born again, now you understand. I'm called by God. I'm sent by God. Man, God had need of me. And even then, the third thing in that, there's purpose in my life. There's purpose in my life. Well, Pastor, I don't know what my purpose is. Let me tell. You, let's make it. Just start acting like Jesus, and you'll walk right into it, not even knowing it's happening. Just act like Jesus. Just love people. Find a way. I just want to tell you, there's a better life for you. There's hope. I go into the nursing home. I love doing that. My campus at, I was at Life Care yesterday, and my campus at Chateau Gerardo, and I I was in there. When they came and greeted me at the door, she said, you got a room full today. And I didn't even have to ask them to come. They just showed up. And I came with a purpose, and I told them, I'm here to give you hope. I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to tell you that God loves you. And you've got great purpose even where you are. Yes. Just go in and love people. There's people that way everywhere you go. You might find it on the way home. You might find it in the restaurant. I pulled up to even get me a drink today at at the New Roads over here. and I don't know. I just felt there. I just get minding my own business thinking about getting to the church. And I felt like the Lord said, tell that young dude he's got a great purpose in me. That's all I had to tell him. I didn't have anything else to say. I did. I I said, dude, are you a believer? Oh, yeah. I said, then God told me to tell you. But it wouldn't have mattered if he was a believer or not. I was going to tell him the same thing. And then I drove off with my drink. But I'm telling you, the opportunities, and I believe we're in that moment. If you and I will just yield our Holy Ghost, what's my assignment today? Here's the last thing remember, He's the Word, He's a Son, and He's filled with the Spirit. The Bible said, after Jesus was baptized in Luke's gospel, chapter 4, in verse 1. Put that up for me. And Jesus being full of the Spirit, because when he was baptized, the Spirit of God came down and rested upon him. I want to tell all of us, we don't need to be satisfied to just be good churchgoers, but we need to say, God, fill me with your Spirit. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. It's a free gift. It ain't going to hurt you. It's a gift of God to help you. And to help you and to stand with you and encourage you and be with you. And the devil surely isn't going to let you get to that point. Well, I don't know if I believe in those tongues. Well, why would you think? If you think that's all the Holy Ghost is, is tongues, then you really we have not done a good job making it clear. But he was filled with the Spirit. And then the Bible said, notice this verse. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit. Here's a great point. You won't really be led until you get full. Until you have embraced him completely. Then he can begin to lead you. But then let's go to verse, I think it's verse 14. Is that the next verse I gave you? And because Jesus is led into the wilderness. But in verse 14, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Now notice where the power came from. The power came out of being full and being directed by the Spirit. And that's why it's so important that we be full, to be led by the Spirit in what we're doing. And he's, he's always at work in our life. Y'all know I was in Branson last week, uh, last Wednesday. Of course, I was, I, I was here, but I was at the governor's mansion. But I was in a meeting in Branson for a couple nights with the, with the Ozark Regional Gathering of the Rama uh, graduates uh, from that area. And there was a young man there that spoke. Man, I'm telling you, this guy lit me up. Uh, he actually has a church in outside of Jackson, Mississippi, in a, I guess a community called Flowood. His name is Joel Sims. Some of you might want to go check him out, follow him on YouTube. He's 38 years old. And he said, the Lord showed him a vision and showed him in a dream. He said, the church has been in a place like, he said, the Lord showed him that the church was like they were in a, an old Viking rowboat. you seen those movies, those long Viking rowboats. You had a group of men on this side, and you had a group of men on this side, and there was an aisle down the middle of it, and either there was a guy on a drum beating to keep the cadence, you know, to keep everybody. Either that, there was a guy walking through there, whipping their backs, said, Row! And he said, that your Lord showed him the church was in like one of those boats, and we were rowing with everything we had. But he said we were in a dry riverbed. And he said we're pulling with everything we got. And he said you can even make a little bit of movement even when there's no water, when those oars hit just right. And he said then when the oars would hit and the dust would fly up, he said we counted the dust as the glory. And it's nothing but our efforts in our labor. And the Lord quickened something to him. He said, "I'm going to break the dam." And he said, the water is the river is going to flow again. And he said, all of a sudden the dam broke. And the river came and it lifted that boat up off of that dry, dry riverbed. And now, with ease, the boat is making its way where it needs to go with no effort of human effort. And I he said, I believe the Lord is speaking to us that it's time that the church gets back to being filled with the Spirit. and quit trying through human effort and human reasoning but get in the Holy Ghost and watch how God will lead us and how we can do it without ease without struggle but do it with ease matter of fact I know I shared it with pastor this young man if I heard the story right his dad started this church many years before he started pastoring. His dad passed away at 44 years of age, unexpectedly. And this young man was only 18 or 19 years of age at the time. And uh, they had already purchased some property out by the airport to build this mega church. And evidently this church was already quite large, like three or 4,000 people. And when dad died suddenly, when dad died suddenly, this young man steps up to take over the church at 18 years of age. But when he takes over the church, there were other people there that didn't have his heart. And so they scattered the flock. And the church went from like 4,000 to 400 just like overnight. Devastating. And instead of being angry and upset, he said, Lord, what am I, how am I going to handle this? He just felt to bless all of those that left. And some of them that left were family members of his that led some of the people out. And then he didn't know what to do. And he, I guess it was a Rhema church. He decided to go to school. So he was going to Rhema through the week, coming back and pastoring the church on the weekend. And God began to turn it around, and just about everybody came back, with the exception of a few. And then he said, on the 10th anniversary of the day that his dad passed away, he said he didn't even realize it until that day, that it was his dad's anniversary date of the day his dad died. They dedicated the brand new building, debt free, that was to be built on the property. That they had purchased. And he was man in heaven. And then God begins to speak to him and said, You're not dreaming big enough. He said, Lord, look at all this. State of the art, everything. Man, this must have been some kick in place. And God kept speaking to him. You're not dreaming big enough. And so when he wouldn't hear that, he had a lady that drove down from Chicago. To be in a service. Evidently she walks up to the platform after he gets done. Said hey pastor pulls on him. Hey I got a word from God for you. He kind of looks at her he said I don't know. Ma'am I don't know you. She said all right I don't know you either. God brought you to my face in prayer. I had to look you up and God told me to come here to tell you something. She came all the way from Chicago. To Jackson Mississippi. To tell him this. You need to dream bigger. And then walks away. And then it wasn't long after that. A few weeks later. Same, another meeting. Another lady comes up to him. Hey pastor, I got a word for you. Said I don't belong to this church. Matter of fact, I didn't really know who you are. But God brought your face to me. And I had to look you up and I found you. And God told me to tell you something. You need to dream bigger. And turn around and walked away. So now he's in prayer. He's taking this and he, he was been reading a book about praying in the spirit from Dr. Hagen. All those guys, they quote a lot of Dr. Hagen. And he said, the Lord spoke to him about you're going to need a building in such and such community. And he calls up his, his executive pastor who happened to be his brother-in-law. And he said, hey man, I believe God just spoke to me. We're going to need a building in this such and such place. And he said, Pastor, you're not going to believe this. I just got off the phone with the realtor that's wanting to sell us a building that's in that very particular area. So they go look at it. I think there was a million-dollar price tag on it or something, whatever it was. It would take, he said, three or four or five million to fix it all up. And he thought, no, I don't know if we want to do that. So he started looking for land and and then God speaks to him again and says, I didn't tell you to buy land. I said, you need a building. And so they got to praying in the Holy Ghost. He said, as a team, as a staff, as a church, he said, we just begin to pray in the Spirit until we felt like we had a directive from God. And God spoke to him and said, listen, you're not going to have to worry about this. He said, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you the buildings you're going to need. And shortly after that, God gave him four different buildings in different areas to open up four campuses, and all of it is absolutely debt-free. He's just 38 years old. It wouldn't matter if he was 78 years old. But the whole point that he was trying to make to all of us, guys, you need to get back into the Holy Ghost And get along with Him. Pray in the Spirit until you have a directive from God. Dr. Hagen, they call him like this. Dad Hagen said this. He got most of his direction of how to move and what God wanted him to do when he prayed in the Spirit. I'm going to tell you, we need to get back to praying in the Holy Ghost. Really, a lot of our prayer time is asking this and asking for that. We need to say, just get ourselves and begin to pray in the Holy Spirit and say, I'm yielding to you. Direct us of our next step of what you want us to do. Those were the three attributes. The Word, knowing who you are, and and being filled with the Spirit. And I believe if we could get that activated in our lives, I mean, I can't do without it. Why would Paul say, I pray in the Spirit more than you all, if it wasn't important? Why would Paul encourage us to pray in the Spirit if it wasn't something there, Miss Joni? But he was saying to us, guys, you've got this direct hotline. We're not children of darkness. We are children of the light, the Spirit of God. Now unto Him. I like that verse that says, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love Him. We stop too early. He said, we know. But we know. Why? Why? Because we have the Spirit of God on the inside of us. So I'm challenging us. I'm challenging us to get into the Word. I'm challenging us to take our true identity. Stand up to it. Don't be ashamed. What was that in that uh, in that meeting Monday? That one brother from, he talked about, I saw you wrote it down. Kneel down, stand up, speak up and lay down your life that was to be what was that who that was man that was a powerful song. i didn't have a pen i'd left it and i couldn't write he said kneel down stand up speak up and then lay down your life in other words get your emotions out of the way and say i'm going to trust god i'm going to follow god i'm going to do what god says Because there are people, there are cities and regions waiting upon the body of Christ to get out of the four walls and really be the church and set the city free. Hello. You know what? I do believe that the governors ought to be talking to us. I do believe the president ought to be calling upon the church. Tell me what to do. Get What is your God saying? Tell me how to solve our gas problem. Tell me. How, I know we got all kinds of issues. But no. We, I really truly believe that. But we the church don't operate in that. But I believe it's time we do. Come on and stand with me. Let me ask you again. They said what manner of man is this. That even the wind and the sea obey him. But may I ask you tonight, what manner of man are you? Does it obey you? Are you full of fear? Father, tonight I yield this word to your hands. And into their lives if you put it in us. God, I pray that we are the people that are speaking to the wind. And we're speaking to the seas and God we are seeing regions and our cities, our neighborhoods, we're seeing them transformed by your mighty power. Those strongholds that have been laying and keeping hold of your people, those demonic forces, I thank you tonight that the authority of heaven the ecclesia is going to take its rightful position and its place as sons and daughters in the workplace, in the education place. God in, in, the, in the financial place in the, in the seven spheres the mountains that we're going to take our place and we're going to see the kingdom of God established and the power of God at work and our families living free and living in peace and we are resting in Jesus name I declare that over you I bless you tonight to walk in the authority and the power of which God has called you I bless you to have a greater understanding of God's Word that when you read it, it will be like David said, it will be a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. As we sang tonight, it will be honey on our lips that we can't wait. Even as the cake we bought the other night, I couldn't just deal with one piece. I had to have two. I couldn't just deal with one donut. I got to have a whole dozen. Father, I'd bless your people to walk with such a hunger and authority of Your Word and to walk in the fullness of Your Spirit. God, that every day we sense and know that You are with us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good night, everybody. God bless you.